Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Here we are again, a Wednesday, Wednesday, October 21, flying through a year. Well, sort of dragging through a year, but Anyway, we're making it. What a great day. What a great day to be alive and to see the hand of God in the land of the living, that we're moving from darkness to light, latter rain greater than former rain, latter house greater than former house. We're moving into the superlatives. I believe that with all of my heart. I I thank you for being a part of this. Jerry, Rebecca, Jerry, you're the first one I saw this morning online. Carol, so happy you're here. Robin, Darlene, thank you for making this a part. I don't want to say morning ritual. I don't like the sound of ritual. That sounds, I don't know. It just just doesn't sound good. But making this part of your morning devotion, and however you choose to honor God at the opening of the day. So I hope you're thoroughly caffeinated and ready to go. That. Your, your brains are hitting on all cylinders, and you're part of this. So like the page, follow the page, share the page, and you do that well. Thank you for being a part of this ever-growing devotion family. I think it's an important part of each of our day. I know it is mine. Thank you for making this happen. The last generation, countdown to the end. What a week. What a week we're involved in. Just feeling after God, hitting some of those timeless prophetic themes, maybe not things that we focus on all the time. I believe we're on a countdown to the end. So we're working through these prophetic themes, and and uh, Neris heard a discouraging word on morning devotion. So I believe it's a season understanding, not a date setting, time setting, but a season understanding to know the times in which we're living in, to be like the sons of Issachar who discerned the time. That was the complaint, by the way, Jesus had of the religious people of his day. Matthew 16, one paraphrased version, he tells the religious leaders, you know, you've got, you got to say in red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Jesus said, you can tell the weather, but you can't discern the times. Don't let it be said of this generation. That was at his first advent, his first coming. Don't let it be said of our generation at the second coming that we don't grasp we're on a countdown to the end. I don't want to miss the season that we are in. Jesus had been speaking to those who should have known better. Christ's birth was recorded in scripture. Religious people told Herod where he was to be born in Bethlehem. And, but now Jesus is alive. That same Jesus was alive in their midst. And he came into his own, his own received him not. I'm drawn today in this countdown to the end to a sign of the last day, a sign that is largely ignored, pulled out occasionally, cited, then discarded. It's at the close of the Lord's ministry when he's seated on the Mount of Olives, what we call the Olivet Discourse. He said so many things, but I want you to listen to a couple of the passages now, there are three, three parallel passages, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for the Olivet Discourse. So the first one I borrow is from Luke. It's a word to unbelieving religious people, 
to Israel. Luke 21, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword, be led captive to all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Church was born at around 30 AD, 40 years later. Rome was trampled, or Jerusalem trampled by Rome. The diaspora, the dispersion, driven away captive into all lands. It took place in just what Jesus said, that the times of the Gentiles would come in. Notice that phrase, until that time. The times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We are living in this time. We are living at the close of the end of the times of the Gentiles. What is called the grace age, the church dispensation, the space called grace, where God has turned to a people that's not his own to make up his bride. I'm so thankful for that. Are you thankful for that? Give a thumbs up. Christy and Hope uh, and Kimmy and Lillian, are we thankful that we're part of the bride that he turned to us? But I can sense, as you can as well, the pivot has already turned back to Israel. The rebirth, the resurgence of Israel has begun. The times of the Gentiles, it's drawing to a close. How do we know that? Because we're seeing the rebirth of Israel. This is important to grasp when the last generation is. It's in the latter part of Deuteronomy, Moses pronounces blessings and cursings upon Israel. If you obey God, you're blessed. If you disobey God, you're cursed. And in spite of God's favor, Israel would fail God again and again. And Moses promised, this is what's going to happen if you turn your back on God, Israel. There's four things that are going to happen. First, you will be dispersed, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. Warned by God, Israel, if you forsake me, I'm going to scatter you on the face of the earth. We saw that. The dispersion took place primarily in the years following 87, scattered across the face of the earth. The second promise, Jews, you're going to be persecuted, Deuteronomy 28:65. God warned wayward Israel of the persecution wherever they went. Moses again said the Jews would find no resting place in the nation. God would give them a trembling heart and failing eyes and a despairing soul and the extreme anti-Semitism of the Roman Empire, the Crusades, the Holocaust under Hitler, Stalin, the grisly fulfillment of that prophecy. Then third, here's the third promise. If you reject me, Israel, the land is going to be desolate. The land would turn into a waste and the cities would be destroyed and the fields unproductive and desolation would take place. Moses saw all these things if Israel was rebellious, but there Moses' vision begins to run out. He does not see that in spite of the dispersion, the persecution, the desolation, that God determined, Israel, you're coming back. And that is the fourth promise that Israel would remain in spite of it all, God promises in Isaiah 66, Israel, I will preserve you. You will come back as my people. Why? Because God's people are engraved in the palms of his hand. And during the past 2,000 years, we've seen these prophecies fulfilled. All four of these prophecies have taken place. And the impossible has happened. And no other time in history has a people so torn, so wounded, so scattered ever come back to reclaim their nation as Israel did. Why? 
because God said it was going to happen. And it will be a mark that the times of the Gentiles are being fulfilled and that the last generation is happening. Does that give you hope? It does me that a nation could be reborn. Israel started coming home. That's the promise in uh, the late 19th century. The Jewish population in Palestine began to grow. But Palestine was under the control of a nation that despised the Jews. World War I would change that. Palestine came under the protectorate of the British Empire, promptly passed the Balfour De- Declaration in 1917, allowing Jews to immigrate back home. By the end of the Second World War, 600,000 Jews had come to live in that land. And then in 1948, you know the story. It's Ezekiel's prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. Can these bones live? Israel became a nation once again. That the wind of God, that prophecy of God, spoken of by a major prophet of old, that it was going to happen. God said it will happen. The times of the Gentiles are going to be fulfilled. And on May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel, a nation dispersed, desolate, persecuted, was reborn. It reminds me of Nicodemus' question to Jesus. How can a full grown man be born again? Only God can accomplish this. Only God could do this with the nation of Israel. For hundreds of years, the idea of a reborn Israel had been mocked at, scoffed at, but God said it's going to happen, and it did happen. And the desert is blooming again like a rose, and the land is reclaimed. I've read descriptions. I've seen some very old photos of what Palestine looked like at the beginning of the 20th century. That land once flowing with milk and honey was a barren, dry wasteland. But you go to Israel today and you're going to see a land that is lush with beauty, with beauty. Ezekiel said the people would one day exclaim the land has become like the Garden of Eden. And that's what you would see today. Over 300 million trees planted into the 20th century. Rainfall has increased 450% during that same time. The deserts are blooming again, just like God said it would when the times of the Gentiles were being fulfilled. And that leads me to that second passage. That second passage. We see the first passage, the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And once that time is fulfilled, there's going to be a sea change. And God is again going to focus on Israel. The second passage is in the Olivet Discourse. It involves what you see depicted behind me, a fig tree. A fig tree. The fig tree is found in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three at the end all three parallel passages of when Jesus spoke at the Mount of Olives. Why is it important? Because the fig tree is connected to Israel. The day before the Olivet Discourse, Jesus, you remember the story, had cursed the barren fig tree. It was a foreshadowing of what would happen if Israel turned her back on the Messiah. It was so revealing and telling. And so the next day when the disciples asked Jesus about the end of time and when Israel would come into her own, Jesus reminded his disciples of that fig tree. And in Matthew 24, 32, let me just read two or three verses of scripture in your hearing. It says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, 
puts forth leaves. You know the season, you know the times, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that the near, though know that it is near, even at the doors. So surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And that's the close of the Olivet Discourse with the fig tree, a mention of a fig tree and the last generation. When the fig tree bloomed again, Jesus said, you better know I'm standing at heaven's gates. I'm ready to come. This generation will not pass until these things take place. I want you to notice two things here. The blossoming fig tree equals the last generation. Both expressions are very biblical. The fig tree, it's one of the last trees in Israel to bud in the spring. And Jesus said, when you see that fig tree finally blossom, You know, the season is changing. The summer is near and the flourishing of the fig tree. It's a sign that the end has come. The edible fig in Israel produces three crops per year, a first fruit in the spring, main crop in the summer and fall. And it's interesting to know that the Bible refers to these three crops of figs, the early is found in Isaiah 28, Jeremiah 24, Hosea 9, the main crop. In the summer, Judges 9, Mark 11. The final crop in the fall, Jeremiah's chapter 24 and 29. And more than that, those three crops are identified with the people of Israel. Jesus said, when you see that fig tree blossoming, understand this. The end is near. I love the way Matthew and Mark cite Jesus as saying. He says there, I am right at the door. The king is coming. When you see Israel blossoming again, when you see it happen, know that I'm at the door. So Beverly and Don and Mary, what a job we've got to do. What a an opportunity. We have lived. Many of you were alive when Israel became a nation in 48. Many of you were alive in 67 and 73, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War. You were alive during that time. You have seen the peace pact signed recently with Israel by moderate Muslim nations. You are seeing the end come to pass before your eyes. You're seeing Israel blossoming. And Jesus is saying, when you see this happen, I am coming. I am standing at the door. And so this blossoming fig tree and the last generation are connected. Jesus said, this generation, when you see Israel once again coming into its own, know this, this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. We're talking about the last generation. Folks, I believe that this is the last generation. This is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. Do you understand that phrase, the last generation? It's not new. It's found in the Bible. It's a it's a Hebrew phrase, uh, hador hakaron. It's a Hebrew phrase. It's translated the generation to come, the next generation, the last generation. Jesus has said all that was prophesied about. Israel, when you come back into your own, 
the last generation. In fact, you can find the last generation in Genesis 29. There's about six prophecies of the last generation. In Genesis 29, it talks about what the land's going to look like in Israel when they get there. In Psalm 48, the second prophecy, it's going to talk about Israel rediscovering the beauty and the power of the land. And third, in Psalm 78, 4, a new generation of Israelites learning Hebrew for the very first time. It happened after the Holocaust. And then Psalm 78, 6, the fourth, this generation is going to arise and have to fight, uh, that it was a nation that was born that immediately had to fight. And then fifth and sixth are two coming prophecies. There will be a great war in Israel. And six, the Antichrist will appear, Psalm 102 and Psalm 109. The last generation, Jesus said, when you see Israel go through these things, understand that the last generation is coming. Tribulation soon begins. Antichrist soon appears. No wonder Israel is called God's timepiece. You could set the prophetic clock on Israel. The times of the Gentiles are drawing to a close. This church age is waning and the door is closing because the fig tree has blossomed again. And Jesus said, no, that I'm standing at the door. I'm ready to come. And this generation is the last generation this generation will not pass until all of these things must come to pass. I've heard it said, uh, how, how long is a generation? Some have argued for 40 years. Some have extended it up to 100 years. But well, however you want to do the math, 1948, when Israel became a nation, 1967, 1973, 40 years, 100 years. How much longer will Jesus tarry? I don't believe it's going to be very long, folks. He's coming soon. Now, the world's going to mock that. The religious world will despise that. The scoffers within and without say he's not coming. But as surely as the lightning comes from the east to the west, Jesus is coming back. Don't be like the religious people of Christ's first coming you, you can tell the weather, but you don't discern the times. We are watching the blossoming and the bearing fruit of the fig tree. When you see it, Jesus said, I'm at the door. I'm at the door. This is the last generation. I want you to think about this church. What began with Peter, James, and John, when Peter preached unto you, to your children, those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, that we could be living in the last call. And the final call and the great return is about to take place and we're living on borrowed time. When Jesus' disciples asked him, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He gave several signs. but One of those chief signs was Israel, that Israel would be reborn and would begin to blossom. Oh, my. And the last generation would be seen. And his coming is near. He is even at the door. It was a while back that I shared a dream on this devotion. I couldn't find the details. I only had just a few details, but I found the full dream and the story of it. As Matthew Schwartz, a Messianic Jewish leader, took a group of Christian tourists to Israel. And they had a burden to pray for the Jews. They were in Tel Aviv praying, singing the courses they would sing in church. Gave each Israeli they met a lapel pin, which said, Israel, you're not alone. We're praying for you. They were passing a jewelry store when an elderly man named Moshe and his wife, Esther, came out to speak with the group. 
They told Matthew they were Orthodox Jews who had survived the Holocaust and come to Israel in 1948. They were animated, they were excited, and Moshe said, I, I hear the songs you're singing, and the songs that have been coming to me in my dreams. He then told them an amazing story. He said, my wife and I moved here to Israel years ago because we wanted to be here to see the Messiah come. We are awaiting his coming. It's the only reason we're here. He said, I've been having this dream. I've had it 20 times in the last three months, and it's so disturbing to me. It's the same dream. I'm dreaming that I'm a I, I'm awakened from a deep sleep in my bed in the middle of the night. And I hear shofars, trumpets sounding, and they're so loud they wake me up in the middle of the night. And I run to the front door and I look out and and I see thousands of people from the nation of Israel that they are ascending through the clouds, and they're wearing white robes. And I see heavens parting and. I see the angel Gabriel standing in heaven, blowing a trumpet. There's a mighty army in the sky dressed for battle, and their commander is a rider on a white horse. His eyes are on fire. And I see thousands, thousands of his armies behind him. And the man on the horse, I hear them say, is called the conqueror. And riding behind the conqueror, I see the Jewish patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And behind them are godly Jewish women, Miriam, Ruth, Sarah, Queen Esther. I see King David, I see... King Solomon with the commander, and I see Elijah and Elisha, and they're all alive as light is shining from them, and they are riding horses, this mighty army of the Lord, numbering into the tens of thousands, coming down from heaven. I see them land on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and their commander is wearing a a Hebrew talit, which says on it, King of Kings, and he's got this fire in his eyes, and I realize He's my Messiah. He's my Jewish Messiah. Lord, I say in my dream, who are you? And he replies, he calls me by my first name, Moshe. I'm the one who the prophet spoke about. I asked him, do you have a name? He said, they call me the champion. <laughs> he said, Moshe, I died for you and I love you. Tell your Jewish family and your friends about me. Tell them I'm coming soon. And there will be worship and praise in Israel as it was in the days of David. I wake up from my dream with the words, Moshe, I love you. I'm coming soon. It's ringing in my ears. I've had this dream 20 times in the last few months. I tell my wife, I see a man on the white horse. His name is Champion. His name is Champion. And can you tell me his name? And those pastors standing in the streets of Tel Aviv. We're able to say the name of the champion is Jesus, and he is coming soon. Friend, the fig tree is producing its fruit. It's more than blossoming. It's producing its fruit. I could repeat that story of dreams to people in the Mideast that's happening again and again. The last generation is here. Get ready. The prodigals must come home. Families must be saved. The lost must be gathered. The lukewarm must grow on fire for God because the end is here. This is the last generation. And we have gathered here at Morning Devotion, Monday through Friday. We're just provoking one another and reminding one another that we are living in the last of the last days. This is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. Make your plans, do what you can. But the reality is this, what matters for all eternity 
are the souls of your friends and loved ones and your, your family members, your co-workers, those you live near, their souls matter. Dust off that Bible study chart. Start a small group of Bible study in a home. Start reaching people on your job. Start a prayer service, a prayer meeting. Grab that book on prayer and start a 21-day prayer group. I believe we're at the last of the last days, and I'm speaking to you, the last generation. So Joe and Sarah, Chuck, Charlita, and April, and Elizabeth, don't you know we're it? We are the last in this great, great relay race. A mighty cloud of witnesses are rising in the stands waiting for us to finish the anchor leg of what began 2,000 years ago. You have a role to play. Leave names of people you want saved out to the side or initials or just say, pray for this one, pray for that one, pray for me. Maybe there's someone listening to me right now. You're away from God. This is your day. This is your day to turn and cry out on his name. You know the name of the champion. His name is Jesus, and he's going to see you through in this last day and see me through. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this week of Countdown to the End Morning Devotion. Share with others. and Let's believe God for that great in-gathering in these last days. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Have a wonderful day today. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.